0: Hello everyone, this is Noble Ingram. I'm an associate online editor with ASCD's Educational Leadership magazine. Today, I'm joined by Monica Burns, a curriculum and EdTech consultant and author of the book, EdTech Essentials, The Top 10 Technology Strategies for All Learning, published through ASCD and available this August. She also wrote a fascinating article for the summer issue of the magazine on integrating technology in the classroom beyond distance learning. Monica, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me today.
0: So in your article, you point out that we often hear calls to get back to normal as we plan for the end of the pandemic. But when it comes to using new technology, teachers have learned quite a bit in the past year. How has distance learning changed how teachers use ed tech?
1: Well, one of the big observations from my conversations with educators this year is just a change or shift in vocabulary when talking around digital learning experiences. So I think that now that so many folks have had opportunities to try out digital tools or to use different things than they might have tried out in the past, it's provided for them an opportunity to extend the conversation, ask a wide range of questions about using digital tools in the classroom. So for me, one of the big things that I've noticed is just a, a shift in thinking around technology integration, including uh, heightened vocabulary when talking about the topic.
0: Well, that makes sense. Why do you feel it's important for educators and school leaders to focus on teachers' continued development of tech-based instructional skills when there are so many other issues to be concerned about as they plan for reopening this year.
1: Well, as we're looking forward into the upcoming school year, I think there's an opportunity to really leverage digital tools to address some of the needs that are coming up in those conversations, like you mentioned. So although the idea of education technology might not be the highest thing on the list, right, there's lots of ways to address some of the high-priority items with technology integration. So for example, if a school is making a large commitment to social-emotional learning, this year, they might find that there are opportunities for students to build collaboration skills while working in digital spaces. So they might place that side by side with one of their priorities. If one of their priorities is around supporting families or addressing some communication issues to make sure everyone is connected, they might pair that priority side by side with using a communication tool or system or set of routines for really bridging the gap between families as well as what's happening within a school community using different SMS or messaging tools. So I think there's a lot of overlap to what folks are seeing as high priority for the upcoming school year to goals around technology integration that might have been present this past year or might be a new way to look at things in the upcoming school year.
0: Well, let's talk about some of those digital tools. How should educators go about deciding which ones to keep and which to maybe leave behind as they transition back to in-person instruction?
1: Well, the start of a new school year is always a good time to reflect and think about what's working or what areas you'd like to revisit. And that goes along with your tech tool belt, too. Uh, So if you're feeling like your technology tool belt is really heavy, I often make the comparison to an actual tool belt you have around your waist. If it has too many different tools in it, you know it's not going to do you much good. If it's not able to stay up, if it's dropping and hitting the floor, you're not going to be able to reach anything. So reevaluate, Evaluating your tool belt to find tools that are flexible for a variety of learning experiences is one of my big tips when thinking about what we're actually using and what just kind of happens to be there. It's also a good time to look at your tool belt and make sure that anything you're bringing into the upcoming school year fits alongside with any larger initiatives, like adopting a new learning management system, for example. So if you are realizing that a tool you've used in the past just isn't going to work very well with a learning management system you are shifting to or adopting or embracing a little bit more, it's another opportunity to look at it through that lens. So if someone is looking at their toolbox about feeling a little overwhelmed, having things that are flexible for a lot of different learning experiences that address formative assessment goals that may be content-specific, so helping do something within your content area that might not have been possible without that digital tool. Those are all the things to keep in mind. I don't know that there's a one size fit alright for everyone when it comes to this, but those are just a few core things to take into consideration.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm curious about that flexibility. You write about open-ended creation tools specifically that give students, you know, a blank canvas to make their own content. Could you tell me more about how these tools work and what their benefits may be?
1: Absolutely. So there's actually a whole chapter of my new book, EdTech Essentials, that looks at this idea of create or creation in a classroom environment. And I often gravitate towards what I call open-ended creation tools because they have a choose-your-own-adventure feel to it. You might have a tool that you could use to create book trailers with students, or the same tool could be used to create math tutorials that look like what students might consume with Khan Academy. So those are the kind of things that I'm keeping in mind when making recommendations or leading professional development for educators, especially when I have a group of educators I'm working with who might come from an elementary and a secondary background in the same room, or who have a role where they're working with a wide range of students, like a media specialist who might push in and support students and teachers in different ways. So an open-ended creation tool is really going to give you the most bang for your buck. Uh, You can use it in a few different ways for different project ideas. It typically has features that allow students to share their learning in a few different ways, so there's often some choice involved with how students can decide to talk about their learning experiences, A couple examples to provide some context, Adobe Spark, uh, Book Creator, those are two that I love and I've done some work with both of those teams. Buncee is another one. Apple Clips would fall into that category. So it's something where you're going to click and open it up and it doesn't have just one way to use it or a set of instructions that teacher's really in the driver's seat to decide what's going to happen when students jump into that experience, perhaps leaning in or using some of the same checklist or Excel. exemplars or project descriptions that they might have used in the past, but with this additional layer of opportunities for students to pick and choose how they're going to talk about their learning and how they can perhaps share it with a larger audience.
0: These days, almost everyone is dealing with some level of Zoom fatigue, but you write that using video conferencing platforms to reach out to friends and colleagues could still provide necessary support to many educators now. Why is that?
1: Well, in this past year, you know, we've used video conferencing as a substitution for the way that we traditionally meet or the way that we might want to meet, right? If we had the choice, right, we might prefer to be in person, side by side, having those conversations. But there's times where video conferencing really is the only option to expand a student's worldview, to explore. Um, to connect them with an expert who would not be able to visit that school. And this is the not only the best way or the easiest way, but the only way for them to make that connection. So if you are looking at video conferencing through that what's possible lens, as opposed to the what we have to do lens, I think there's a lot of opportunity to use it strategically to connect students with other groups of students or with experts in different parts of the world that they can learn about and learn from.
0: Great. Well, you know, you've already spoken a little bit to this particular question, but I just want to present it again so you can respond to it directly. How might technology integration factor into broader school efforts to rebuild and recover from a year of challenges this fall?
1: So there's a lot of things to consider here, right? A few that we talked about with aligning things right alongside of initiatives that you're making a commitment towards that might not feel like they are tech-rich, particularly or associated with technology. There might be some parallels right there. But then there's other things to take into consideration. If you are looking at ways to reach all students, then some of your goals around differentiation might include having students share their learning through formative assessment routines that allow them to use not just multiple choice responses to a question, but longer responses, open-ended responses, or even video or voice opportunities to do that. You might also find that as you are developing or thinking about future programming for students that you are committing towards different skill sets than you might have brought into conversations in the past. You might look at computer science skills, having students create content in a way that we might not have talked about just a few years ago that could include podcasting, uh, for example. So if you are looking at some of your larger, broader initiatives that might not necessarily have a technology component in the description, there may be some pieces that are adjacent or supporting. But then if you are looking at things that do have, right, this kind of future focus, what are we doing now? What do we continue to want students to be prepared for? There might be some more obvious moments to bring in a technology experience.
0: Great. Lastly, what's your advice for school leaders on helping teachers maintain their digital skills as they transition back to in-person learning?
1: It's really important for any initiative to be successful that you're providing time. Not only are you saying that something's important, but you're showing that it's important by a really allocating time for people to think, for people to plan, and then put it into action. And so, if that is something that you, uh, as a school leader, are listening in and, and committed to making happen, it's important that teachers not only have the tools in their toolkit and the support that goes alongside that, but but also the time and the space to make a plan, to brainstorm, to talk things out, and to try things out without that fear of failure, right, or fear that they only have one chance to do it right. And so it's hard to find more minutes within the day. That might mean that you are placing these goals alongside another initiative. You're making space by removing something that's being asked of folks within your school community to allow that time. But if you really are serious about any initiative, right, including an education technology piece like we're talking about today, it really does need to include giving people a chance and time to try things out and make it fit within their environment.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Monica, for joining us. It has been a pleasure to hear your thoughts and thanks to our listeners. To read Monica's article and others in our summer 2021 issue on innovative lesson planning, go to www.ascd.org.